All righty. You ready? I guess. Why not? What else are we going to do? Fuck it. What else are we going to do? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. It's your other host, B. Depends on who you're asking. If it's a mom at a birthday party, I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, we, by we, I mean my husband went to a birthday party with B. And some other friends of ours. And there is a mom there whose kid is also on my son's baseball team. It's a small town, y'all. Yeah. And she claims to listen to this podcast. So embarrassing. I don't think it's true. I hope not. We have. a f- too close of the circle. We have a fun amount of listeners, but it would just. To have a random listener that we would end up meeting it's is. Like, we're in such a small town. It's like breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, I don't think so. I think she was being really kind and either lying and being like, oh, yeah, I listen to that podcast right, all the time. Right, or she um, is thinking of a different THC. Yeah. Because there are other ones out there. I mean, they, it's not like try. It's not like we invented the acronym. Yes. So um, she could possibly be thinking of a different t- THC. Although I think she might have been fibbing a little bit because if you listened to a podcast and you claimed that you liked the podcast and then you found out the host is right next to you. Wouldn't you say hi? I don't know. I might be too embarrassed. Really? Yeah. I'd be so excited. Yeah. I don't know. But well, either way, I'm already embarrassed. So you're already know. embarrassed and it's not even a real situation. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, we'll find out. Hey, yeah. if any of you are. Mom's on my son's baseball team and we're at a baseball party with b say hi let me know mm-hmm. anyways what else is that b nothing works about to be really interesting oh just because i'm gonna be pull it down a little alone in the office at there any given point for like the next week because yeah. I'm watching my main producer's house, right? He's at the Masters in Augusta. Mm-hmm. And so. Of course he is. Of course he is. Do you take the private jet there, the PJ? Right, the PJ. And he gets back, I think, Thursday. Lori leaves Tuesday for Texas to go see the new grandbabies. Good riddance. Right? Hoping she just stays forever. Like, just move there. Mm-hmm. You have four grandbabies. Why wouldn't you want to be there? I would move there. Well, mm, I, know, I don't know about still Texas. Texas. Know. No offense to our Texas listeners. Um, But yeah, so it's, and so in the morning I have to go check the dog and then drop her off at school and then I'll get to work whenever. <laughs> Chaos. Someone may or may not be there before me. And then I'll leave for an hour in the middle of the day. Someone may or may not be there. And then when I come back, for sure, no one's going to be there. So that, it's just going to be fucking bizarre, man. It's going to be weird. Yeah. It's going to be chaotic. I know how much you love chaos. And this week was supposed to be our catch up week. Mm. But he, of course, got sick. Yep. So he ended up being out of the office most of the week. So I didn't get one of our projects done that we were supposed to submit by Friday. He got assigned a new rep code that I had to submit on Friday. He got new clients on Friday. Like he doesn't know know any of this and I have no idea what he's done for the last two weeks and I'm going in blind. It's going to be fucking crazy. Perfect. I I can't wait. And whenever you talk to me about it, you could be speaking French. I know. I have no clue what's going on. Because I'm on another planet. I know. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. 
I started sports with Violet on Thursday. Yeah. And her old friend Dakota was there. So that was nice. Great. They were really cute. Yeah. Violet wore her jersey like upside down the whole time and had no idea. And it was hysterical. Upside down? It's like the, yeah, it's like somehow. Oh, is it like one of those like mesh? Uh-huh. Like, oh, I was picturing an actual like t-shirt. No, like, like the those little, little mesh jerseys. vests. Uh-huh. That's funny. It was hysterical. She had no idea. I'm like, that one's mine. Could not be more proud. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah, other than that, just, it was a week. It was a, it was a week. week. It was mm-hmm. a long week. We did a promotional shoot for the salon. That's right. On Thursday. And it was just my assistant was out for the week. My other coworker was out for the week. So that's just me. Yeah. Because the boss, uh, you know. She's in and out. So exactly the same situation. Yeah. Just so I'm like, don't worry, guys. I'll get it. the salon ready, mm-hmm. camera ready. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> She's like, you signed up for it. You wanted this. <laughs> no, I really don't mind. Honestly, it's it's more of a me problem anyways, because it's my insane attention to detail. Yeah. I can't handle it any other way. And then so once it's done, everyone goes, oh, my one. God, it looks so yeah. good. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why. So anyways, I was doing that all week and plus taking a week full of clients. I've been hella busy. So I do want to say it's so funny. So in the last episode, was that our Patty's Day episode? It had to have been. Mm -hmm. So you were saying how we get rid of all the students for Patty's Day. Mm -hmm. And so they just made it up with Cesar Chavez. And here comes Chavez Day. Which was yesterday. It was on a Friday. Mm -hmm. And I go to pick up Violet at two o'clock and just hordes of people in bikinis and shit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's no sun in the sky. I know. (laughs) But listen, you don't feel the cold when you start drinking tequila sunrises at 6 a.m. Because that's what they do here. Yeah. Tequila sunrises at sunrise. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, my husband's friend is staying with us while he finds an apartment here. And he he was like going to work at like 9 a.m. Yeah. And he called Lou and he's like, like why are people What out? the fuck? Because he was down. He was driving kind of <laughs> down near the college and the frat houses and stuff. Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. He's like, there are. Drunk people in board shorts and bikinis everywhere. He's like, I drove past one house and there's just a girl with her tits out Out. while they're playing like beer pong. He's like, it's 8 a.m. And Lou's all, yeah, welcome to blankety blank blank Chavez day. Yeah, so (laughs) funny. I think it would be really funny if I didn't always have to work to go out there with your phone and (laughs) around like midday start interviewing the kids about who, who was Cesar Chavez, what did he stand for, and why do we celebrate him? Because <laughs> then here comes my kid out of her immersion school, and she's like, Mom, do you know what today is? And I'm like, I'm slowly piecing it together. I'm like, uh-huh. I think it's Cesar Chavez Day. And she's like, huh? I'm oh, like, well- no, and I'm like Caesar Chavez, and she's like, "You mean Cesar Chavez?" Oh, <laughs> like, oh dear! She's like, "My bad." I'm like, "Sorry, let me put some quesadilla on it." <laughs> Jesus, like you're gonna be your dad now, huh? Oh God! Yeah, she's like, "Ew, the way you said it, Mom." I'm like, "Okay." I'd be like, "Don't you mean Madre?" <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's like a way to shame me there. That's so funny. But yeah, I loved it because you had just mentioned that. Mm-hmm. On the last I forgot episode. that they were so close together. Me too. I thought it was like in April, like yeah. deep in April. I mean, it's the last day of the month. But last still. year it was 
like 80 degrees outside. So that's probably why I have it stuck in my head that it's later on in spring. Right. Because it was like 60 degrees yesterday and cloudy. They're lucky it didn't rain. Yeah. It's supposed to rain tomorrow. Fun. Good times. All right. So my kid was about to ask you this before we started. I'm like, no, I have to save it for the air. So my kid is playing this video game. For anyone wondering, it's Splatoon. They're playing Splatfest. That does not mean anything to me. Might mean something to somebody out there. (coughs) Anywho, this is like you play with other players online on your Nintendo Switch B. And right now, I guess this thing that they're playing, the whole game is split into three different teams. And you have to choose a team. And then the whole world that's playing this video game together are fighting for the top spot. Right? So... Teams in the past have been like sweet, sour, salty. Okay. Um, things like that. It's always a theme. Yeah. This year's theme. And I want you to pick a team. And you're with this team for the year. Yes, but I don't care about the... No, no, no. For oh. just the weekend. Oh, okay. There'll be like another one of these like later on okay. in a couple months and okay. it'll be a different theme. Okay. But the theme of the teams, I just want you to pick the team based on the character yeah. that it's named after. yeah, yeah. And I want to see if your answer matches my answer or if it matches my oldest answer. Okay. So the teams are yeah. Alien, mm-hmm. Bigfoot, mm-hmm. or Loch Ness Monster, a.k.a. Nessie. Wow. And what are we doing? That doesn't matter. It's just based on the I name? just want you to know what team you would pick. I could t- explain the game to you. You're not going to care. You're a fucking... You're a squid so, who, like, paints alien, the town with... Bigfoot, or Loch Ness. I think I'm going to go Alien. <laughs> What the betrayal. Pick? What did you pick? I don't know, but me and my kid hate Team Alien. Okay. I picked Bigfoot. I of thought about course. that. That was my second. That's my vibe. A big hairy dude who lives in the woods of Northern California and like is just kind of a hippie. But that's just, see, for me, an alien, I figure like I can morph into anything and I'm playing a game. I'm trying to be strategic. No, I told you the game doesn't matter. I, I just want to know did. what category you pick yeah no alien mm-hmm. my kid picked uh nessie because yeah. she's cute mm-hmm. and like she got flippers yeah Mm-mm. and i was like i was breaking it down for her i was like that i'm like Ness-. first of all my kid doesn't even like the uk i'm all she's in scotland she's in a lake i was like bigfoot's so much better he's out here in northern california in the redwoods i this, do that. love me some bigfoot but no alien and we decided that aliens, because aliens obviously run the government, so aliens are like the man. Oh, and we're like, mm-hmm. you conformist. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm the worst. <laughs> wow. How controversial. Yeah. Drop it in the comments, guys. What would you pick? So the teams right now in Splatfest are heavily Team Nessie, Team Alien. Not very many people have signed up for Team Bigfoot. But Team Bigfoot and Team Nessie collectively agree that they hate Team Alien. So they're really like an alliance. A little bit. Mm -hmm. But not very many people pick Team Bigfoot. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You don't like the big hairy guy with the feet who smokes weed and hangs out in the woods in my home state? The Pacific Northwest? (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, I don't know how to follow that up. Oh, I don't know if you can. I mean, I guess I'll do my best. I've got a bunch of uh, past episode references to get our drinking going. Right now? Well, in my in my news, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh dang! So on our last episode, we obviously talked about the legendary pigeon lady, oh, the best from right. Home Alone Two, Lost mm-hmm. in New York. 
And since then, every fucking Culkin has been in the news. Oh, shit. <laughs> so Kieran Culkin confirms brother Macaulay Culkin mm-hmm. and fiance Brenda Song have welcomed their second bebe. Congrats. I love Macaulay and Brenda as a couple. Yeah. I think love they're it. the cutest. Have you seen Posty and his girl? And I haven't seen the girl. No. And the baby. And the baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's super cute. So happy. The his girl's super cute. But come on, people. Our um OG fans will remember Macaulay from twenty two mm-hmm. and twenty five. So let me try to guess them again. So it's obviously the the club kids one. Mm-hmm. Party like a monster. Party like a monster. I'm trying to remember the second one. He was in a movie. Oh, Home Alone. We did Home Alone. Yeah. I'm like, we talked about the fucking pigeon lady. I know. I know. I know. I was thinking of like actual true crime. And I was like, what was he in? Yeah. No. Party Monster just always sticks out so much in my head. But then we've got Rory. Yes. Culkin from 84 Metal Lion. Yes. Right. Do you Have you heard about him in the news? No. Okay. I haven't heard about any Culkins in the news. Okay. So he... Has this shocking full frontal nude scene in Donald Glover's new prime show, Swarm. Okay. You heard about Swarm? Yes. Okay. So for people that don't know, it's kind of like a mockumentary. Okay. My favorite. And like heavy reference to Beyonce's Beehive. Okay. Right. That's the whole Swarm thing. Okay. It's mostly fictional, but they also, like, they put in type going into the episodes. Like, if something seems super out there, like, it should be real, it probably was real at some point in time. But they're just picking bits and pieces and, like, throwing them in the show. Okay. One of which was this full frontal nude scene that Rory did. I guess it's based on a real-life one-night stand that um, Glover had. Wow. Where this like was the situation. It was really embarrassing for him. And the other writer was like, well, you know, we're putting that in the show, right? That's so funny. It is. So I thought that was fun. And then. uh, So Kieran's only news is that he's talking about Macaulay. Yeah, I haven't heard like Macaulay is the one that had the baby. But Kieran's Kieran's the one one that's coming out to talk about it because he's got to be he's got to get his name out there somehow. Rory's out here showing his dick. (sighs) And Macaulay's having babies with Brenda. Kieran's gotta get his. <laughs> I heard, um, and I don't, I can't remember if it's Kieran or Rory, but my client told me I should really watch Secession. Oh, okay. And I think one of those boys is in it, oh. but they're on their final season on HBO. But she said it's so, so, so good. Okay. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll start watching it since The Last of Us is over. What's I have nothing to. I don't know. A family for sure. It's a drama. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like twists and turns and, you know, backstabbing, I guess. I don't I honestly don't. Secession makes me think it's because a secession is like like a hierarchy. Right. So it's obviously some sort of powerful family, whether it's political or like a business. But there's probably like a top dog, like top dog daddy and then like his heirs. Right. And it's probably some powerful family. But I honestly have no idea what it's about. But I'm pretty sure a Culkin is in it. Love it. Don't know which one. Okay. That's fine. Watch me be totally wrong about every single thing I just said because I was just guessing. Well, who cares? So that's on HBO. Yeah. Swarm is on Prime. Yeah. And other notable Prime news. Oh, boy. A Amazon Prime driver walks through an active police standoff in North Carolina, delivers package, 
hands it to the SWAT officer before taking a picture to confirm delivery. That's so funny. Fucking, that's big dick energy to just so walk he's supposed through. to be is he supposed to be delivering it to the place that they're like having a shootout? I with? guess. That's so funny. That's so fucking funny. I yeah. died reading that. I'm like, that's such a G move to just walk into an active shoot off and to just be like, like confirm. Yeah. <laughs> delivery. That's so funny. Hey, uh, for anybody uh, about to have a shoot off, a shoot out with the police, let that be the move for you. Dress up like an Amazon guy. Put and a, just stroll up. And put a bomb in a package. Yeah. Just Give roll. it to the SWAT team and walk go. away. Yeah. Because obviously they just let him walk in. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. And then I saw this all over my TikTok. Okay. And then it even came up on Daily Mail. Oh, okay. Legit news. Legit news. Um, The movie I See You. Yes. Has been trending hardcore. I guess Why? it was just released to Netflix recently. Okay. And it was like number one and they're talking about the one where they try to like rob a blind man's house or whatever right no where the frogging it's our episode 12 feeling froggy with helen hunt yes 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 Mm -hmm. i thought you know you know what i'm talking about though right no it's like they're trying to like do something and the guy's blind but he's got like secret like super senses oh because he's blind Mm -hmm. and then he like kills them all of course anyways yes our frogging episode god that is a long time ago episode 12 so that's a hundred years ago Okay, perfect. And it is just now trending as like a like four years after its release, and it's just now getting attention because of TikTok. Fuck yeah, TikTok. Okay, yeah. amazing. I know, I love it. <laughs> so if you haven't checked out that episode, hey, it's a great one. Maybe I'll recheck out that episode. I don't remember a thing that happened on that episode. I remember how fucked up Helen Hunt's face yes. looked in that movie. I remember Helen Hunt's face being a little wacky. And I remember doing your look of the week because we had you under a bed and in a closet. We were getting angles, we getting different froggy. scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and then coming soon to a podcast near you, we're going to eventually cover Cocaine Bear. Yeah. And that was in the news. Um a couple in Kentucky decided that they wanted the stuffed bear to be the efficient at their wedding. Is that even legal? Yeah. Like, like it, the bottom is their wedding invitation. It's got a picture of the bear. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> yeah. And also, what's up with the weird, like, old school German writing? Yeah. Oh, they went full full force on this one. Oh god kentucky all right yeah and i'm then, sorry do you no, need that page i don't <laughs> just Mm-mm. threw it and then my last bit of good news i read that sam neal is in remission hey already and um but he'll have to be on treatment for the rest of his life oh really yeah yeah mm-hmm. so it goes but funny enough i guess he's got like a memoir coming out okay and he reveals this disdain he has for his parents because they named him Nigel John Dermot Neal. Oh. And he changed it to Sam at like the age of 11 because he fucking hated the name Nigel. There you He's go. Like, Nigel Neal? Yeah. Could you imagine? It's so funny. Dr. Alan Grant. Nigel Neal. I mean... 
well, I can't say my mom's name, but my mom has a real kooky name too. And it's, it puts that one to shame. I feel like I hear that one more often. You don't know her maiden name. Oh, okay. True. I'll say it and then I'll bleep it out. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's fucked up. It is. She got the niftiest name award in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I dated a Harry Perry. Yeah. Fucked up. Mm-hmm. People who do that are fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's all I got for now. Have you started Love is Blind season four? No. It's so good. Is it? It's so good. Oh. And you have a lot to start on. They're on like eight episodes already. Of course they are. They're coming out hot with these shows. Well, what they're doing is they're doing it once a week, but they're doing it in like three or four episode blocks. Mm -hmm. But last season, I didn't even watch it all the way through. I don't know why. Last season just didn't stick with me. However... This season's been good enough that maybe I'll go back and give last season another shot. Wow. But this season has been fantastic so far. And I need you to watch it so I can talk to you about it. I can't wait. Yeah, I don't want to give you any spoilers. um, Nick Lachey was in the news, too. I didn't think he was worth mentioning. But I guess he, like, flipped out on a photog and has to go, like, anger management and shit. Oh, shit. And I was like, calm down. You're not making enough money off all these fucking Netflix shows. Um, did we talk about Lance Bass being on AJ McLean's podcast? No. And them talking about AJ was trying to convince him to do a Backstreet Boys in sync like world tour. And Lance was like, Yeah, we're on board. You know the person. Justin. That you have to get on the Justin's phone. Justin's not going to do it. Well, that's that's what I'm getting to. And so then AJ's like, Come on, Justin. Come yeah. on, let's do it. And then Lance is heard saying, It's not Justin. So there's another one. I think it's going to be JC. What the fuck is he doing? Maybe I don't he know. got fat. Maybe. He- I don't know. But what I can tell you, maybe or maybe it's bald. Chris. <laughs> I don't think Chris is going to want to do it. Okay. Because he was. Because he's 50. And he was struggle si- like 100,000 years ago. He was already old. Justin Timberlake w- got the like video Vanguard award or whatever at the VMAs. And he brought in sync out for one second approximately and that one second of time Chris was a struggle bus city (laughs) (laughs) but anyways um TikTok resurgences everyone JC is having his TikTok renaissance right now wow everyone because everyone is fed up with JT yeah Gen it. Z hates, hates Justin him. Timberlake. Hates him. I know. They, he showed up on um this like Taylor Swift tribute. Like she won some fancy pantsy award and they gave her some fancy pantsy like monologue tribute. And mm-hmm. he was doing an interview for that. He looks like that boy has just been probably reading hate comments and hitting the bottle. Yeah. He looks like he is hitting the bottle hard. Yeah. So that's where JT is. Rough. And so everyone, Jen. Thank God I didn't marry him. Ah! Uh, <laughs> what a wasted time that was. Oh my God. <laughs> and so the the youngsters out there, the youths, mm-hmm. are all yeah, about JC. They're saying JC was the real talent. JC was better he looking. Was we all know who carried that band. But, but yeah, but it's a bunch of kids who weren't even alive when NSYNC was out. No, I know. I'm just saying. He had his flair. He had, oh, yeah. I loved JC, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is. Who are they to say. to say who was doing what in mm-hmm. in sync? Mm-hmm. Okay, exactly. But anyways, <sighs> okay. So here's let's do this. Which in sinker is which Backstreet Boy? Because like obviously Nick is Justin Timberlake. Uh huh. Brian is JC. Okay. 
Kevin is Joey. For sure. So that leaves Lance and Chris and the and Howie and maybe Howie's Lance and AJ's Chris. Yeah. I figured That's it perfect. out. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just Got in it. case anyone was wondering. <laughs> line that up. I feel like it's perfect. It is. Makes perfect sense. What if they sang each other's songs? Wow. That would be so funny. They're both five part harmonies. Yeah. <laughs> Although um, and you know, I don't gotta tell you, we are an in sync fan club oh, over here. Forever. But when it comes to a live show, Backstreet Boys is gonna be so much better because they've been actively touring for years now and in sync is coming a, out of the retirement mm, home. Uh, clearly. <laughs> clearly. All right. Anyways, should we get on with it? I mean, it? I guess we have a podcast. We hey, we can't leave our dozens of fans waiting much longer. I don't know. First of all, big night. Look who's back I out to play. I was really hoping that you would. Yeah, I didn't want to throw it out there to like put it, but yeah. I'm the Monk Notebook is here because this is a big case, and I it's Monk worthy. It is Monk worthy. Yeah, for sure. Although, upon retrospect, after doing my research, there's not as much to this case as I thought there was going to be because there's so much media hype behind this case. I thought it was a really big thing and it's really not. You know, it's pretty cut and dry. I learned that I thought that they were the Boston Stranglers. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I kept calling them the Ramirez brothers and lose all who? I'm all the Ramirez brothers. They killed their parents. He's all the Mendez brothers. I'm like, yeah. You should get yourself a true crime podcast. You really know what you're talking about. <laughs> Anyways, there you go, guys. We're doing the Mendez Brothers tonight. Um, this is episode 89. Is for those Mendez of you wondering. Or is it Menendez? It's Menendez. Okay. But I always Mendez. I always fuck up that Mendez. other E. Don't tell your daughter. Right. She'll she's be so appalled. So disappointed in oh. my Spanish. Oh, I can't roll my R's and she's disgusted with me. Oh. Like, ugh, mom. With all the things you can do with your tongue, you can't roll your R's. I've never been able to. Well, it's I save it for everything else. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's the one place it's mm-hmm. lacking. So while you are listening at home, please play our THC drinking game if you feel like it. Take a drink of whatever you're drinking on anytime we mention a past episode, which we've already done a few. Um, mention the hit TV show Monk. Mention a badass big sister. We spill something. Train. We cheers. And if we hear the trade. Yep. We just heard some sirens, but that doesn't really count. No. Where did I get all this from? Well, great question. Um, there's the Menendezbrothers.com, which I skimmed over. There's an all things interesting that I skimmed over. There's Wikipedia. Uh, there's a ranker article. I kind of just, there's not much to it. Yeah. So everybody's kind of the same. Uh, what really helped me was watching an ABC special. Oh. And that was great because the ABC special. How did you access an ABC special? I just looked up the Menendez brothers on YouTube. Okay. And it was in like, you know, multiple parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was great because it was a newer thing that they did. However, they were showing old interview clips of the brothers with um, God rest her soul, the late, great, number one, amazing Barbara Walters. Mm. So that was great to see the old trial footage. 
you know, hear the 911 call, see these interviews with the brothers when they were pretty young still in prison. And of course, see the goat, the greatest of all time, Barbara Walters. Amaze. What was she wearing? You know, her Barbara Walters power uh, like skirt suit. What color? I feel like she was in a powder blue. Oh, yeah. But I can't. I'm not 100% sure about that. But I feel like she was in powder blue. All right. Cheers. To B-dub. Oh, God. B-dub? Barbara Walters. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I was thinking Buffalo Wild Wings. I know. That's no. We're not going back to there. (laughs) Still traumatized. <clears throat> and I haven't had a drink since the last time we drank. So here we go. This will be fun. Woo. Jose Menendez. Did I say that right? Yeah. Menendez. <laughs> was born in Cuba. He immigrated to the U.S. shortly after the Cuban Revolution at 16 years old. He lives with his cousin. He starts with nothing. He's a dishwasher. He ends up getting a college scholarship for swimming where he goes on and meets Mary Louise, a.k.a. Kitty Anderson, who is a former pageant queen. They fall in love quickly. They get married in 1963. They move to New York City where Jose eventually graduates college with an accounting degree. They have their first son, Joseph Lyle Menendez, which he only goes by Lyle. Mm-hmm. So he'll be Lyle from here on out. January 10th, 1968, at which point Kitty quits her teaching job to be a stay-at-home mom. They move out to New Jersey. And shortly after, on November 27th, 1970, Eric Menendez is born. The brothers have a fairly normal childhood it seems in New Jersey Jose is absolutely a workaholic I mean he comes from a really hard place that part of Cuban history I'm sure was a hard part to live through to grow up in right and now that he's in America and trying to make his American dream come true he's a fucking workaholic yeah he's known for being overbearing a perfectionist. He's super intimidating to everybody around him, including his own kids. But this crazy, like insanely driven work ethic pays off. He gets, he lands some high up job with international video entertainment, which is basically they make movies. It's like a movie production company. Cool. And so he picks up the family and moves them out to the best coast, the West coast to a little town. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Calabasas. Oh. Which, so they're, for the ABC thing, they're interviewing like former neighbors and stuff and they have this one fucking annoying rich lady driving them around Calabasas, like hyping it up. Like, oh, this old star that no one cares about raised his family here and this old star that you've never heard of also used to live here. And you're like, okay, none of these people are relevant. And then this bitch had the audacity to be like, Bruce Jenner, of course, no. lived here back when he was still Bruce Jenner. <laughs> Oh, oh, shit. Like, this lady is doing the most. I kind of love her for that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. She's a fucking old, white, rich lady. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're, you know, outspoken. He is eventually promoted in the early 80s to head of RCA Records. So that's a pretty big deal. For sure. That's a big job. That was huge, especially for the time. Yeah. 
Now, just because he's successful and has more money than ever does not mean that he does not have problems. Rich people have problems too, people. It's hard, you guys. It's so hard. It comes with a price. Like the fact that his sons, Lyle and Eric, who all he wants to have are these like all-American, perfect boys. That he wants like Abercrombie and Fitch boys, right? Mm-hmm. They're fucking spoiled brats. They've only ever been rich. They don't know struggle. So they're kind of shitty. They expect these kids to have perfect grades. He wants them to be like professional athletes. Tennis is his thing. He pays for the most expensive tennis coaches. They're both okay at it. Right? They're like kind you of have it or you don't. They're kind of mediocre at everything. Yeah. And it really pisses Jose off mm-hmm. because they don't have the drive he has because they don't have the struggle he's had. We've talked about this a lot in our personal lives of like how even our kids who are very middle class mm-hmm. have never known struggle. struggle. And it's like, how do you make resilient kids without the struggle? Mm-hmm. And it's something I work on all the time trying to find the solution. So this is an elevated version of that where Jose's like, why are you not wanting the success the way I want the success. And it's like, because they have fucking everything that they could ever want or need. What more could they need? What do they have to work hard for? Yeah. So this very much reminds me. Okay. So Jose pays for their lack of talent and ambition. He just pays it off, pays for the best coaches, pays for the best education, just pays, 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 pays out of pocket to try to like elevate them to a level that he could be happy with. It's a very um, fox catcher. Yeah. Yes. It's sure. very. Is that Robert? Yeah. Dumont? Dupont? I thought what, our favorite Bolivian or whatever. <laughs> whatever he claimed to be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> now, eventually the boys are bored. Mm-hmm. So them and their circle jerk of friends to start decide to start robbing their rich neighbors for fun, mm-hmm. right? They're not robbing them out of necessity. They're robbing them because they're fucking bored. Yeah. And they sounds like a good time. Very bling, bling ring. ring. Yep. Yeah. Look at all these past episodes. Oh man. I love this. I don't have any of the episode titles. It doesn't matter. Eventually they're caught. They stole a bunch from this one neighbor. Uh-huh. They get caught up somehow. Jose gets them to tell them everyone that they've robbed. Jose goes to each and every one of those neighbors personally. Tell me what they took. How much is it worth? Here's a check. He makes the boys return whatever they have to return and writes every neighbor a check for their silence. Please don't call the cops. Here's it paid in full. So they don't get into any trouble. Somebody in all the interviews I watched brought up the good point that if Poor kids from like Compton or East L.A. were to rob this neighborhood because they were actually hungry or needed money or needed something and they robbed these houses. They would be doing hard time in prison. But when you're a rich kid, you just go to therapy. So that's what the boys do. They get signed up for therapy. Dad pays them off, pays off the neighbors. Done deal. No consequences. Mm -hmm. Eventually, with Jose's big promotion, they have the money and they move because they want to get the boys away from that 
Calabasas crowd. Obviously. I mean. What slum. In all fairness, that lady can talk all the shit she wants probably because she lives in Calabasas. But up until the Kardashians made it kind of the place it is, it was still for rich people. But it was like lower level rich people. It was like rich people who didn't make it into like Beverly Hills. Yeah. They lived in Calabasas. Right. Um. So back then, yeah, they were like, we got to get them out of this <laughs> bad can, influence. We can do better. So they buy themselves a mansion in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. baby. However, although they move to a new, better place, air quotes, everything gets worse. Yeah. Jose's having multiple long-term affairs. He's having multiple affairs with different women for years at a time. Mm-hmm. How he keeps that shit up, this motherfucker's a genius. I have no clue. Of course, Kitty knows about it. Yeah. He also has a real um, addiction to sex workers, hiring sex workers for the night. He gets... He's just really violent and aggressive. There's... um. Rumors that he like beats Kitty sometimes. He oh. fucking hates his family. Okay. He hates the boys. He hates Kitty. He's just, it's not what he thought it was going to be. Right. But he won't leave. Well, that would look bad. Right. This is all happening behind closed doors. Yeah. To everybody else, they're, <laughs> they're the, the super family. successful, happy Menendez family. Yeah, they're the perfect family. Mm-hmm. Kitty. Who's stuck in this mansion alone with she has no friends. No. She's lonely. Her marriage is in rock it's bottom. Garbage. Her kids are a fucking disappointment. She picks up a real heavy pill and booze habit. Mm-hmm. She even ODs a few times and is seen by a therapist for having some suicidal thoughts, tendencies, depression. Right. Everybody in this situation blames Eric and Lyle. They're like the worst because they can't These stupid fucking. Yeah, kids they being mediocre. They can't get their act together. Mm-hmm. They're mediocre. They're spoiled. How they're this. They? They're that. They're ruining their parents marriage. They're driving their mom to have nervous breakdowns. Mm-hmm. And like if they could just be better, whether you're on the boys side or not. It's really fucked up. That's bad parenting. It's awful parenting. These parents are fucking garbage. And it's like, dude, what what do you want these guys to do? Mm -hmm. All this shit is not their fault. Right. Now, despite everything I just said about it not being the boys' fault, and it's not, they're still shitheads. For sure. They're for sure douchebags. Yeah. They're for sure rich little douchebags. Obviously. Eric... Now, a lot of this is just the opinions I formed from what I read and and saw. Eric's kind of (laughs) dumb. He's sort of he's sort of an idiot. He's sort of an idiot. He's an aspiring model. But the guy who's take pictures of him was like, yeah, he's photogenic. He's like not a model, you know, (laughs) he's his friends from Beverly Hills High School describe him as being these people that they interview are so fucking out of touch with reality. So that that broad driving them around Calabasas and talking about Beverly Hills and this, that, and the other, they're yeah. like, she's like, everyone thinks that these kids are so privileged and so this and so that. She's like, I wouldn't say that at all. Just because your parents can afford to buy you a nice car doesn't mean that these kids have a ton of privilege. No. She's like, I would say that these kids are just like any other kids in the U.S. I'm like, 
bitch, that's because you haven't left Southern California ever. I don't know what to tell you. Like, most of America is not like that. They're not getting Porsches and Maseratis. They're just getting BMWs. Yeah. It's fine. They're just your normal average kids. Everyone does it. Broad, they're not normal average kids. So then his friends from Beverly Hills are talking about how he was real, like an outspoken, flamboyant guy. Like he made his presence known when he walked into a room. And then the examples they gave of this is like if they were all like shopping and they'd go into like a shoe store and they weren't greeted right away. He'd Eric, a scene. he would jump on the table and start throwing shoes. He'd make a fucking scene. And I'm like, that's not flamboyant. That's, that's being, being a, a dick. fucking dickhead. What are you talking about? So, yes. It's really made me hate rich people. I'm like, these people are so fucking out of touch. I can't stand it. Lyle, on Lyle. the other hand, is the brains of the operation. Mm-hmm. He's much smarter than his fucking dumbass mm-hmm. little brother. He is much more like his dad, um, although he doesn't Which want. Which is not a compliment. It just, I mean, he's I his dad's smart. I know. His dad's a dick. And driven. But his dad yeah. is smart. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is Lyle is smart, but he's not driven. Okay. He doesn't have that drive in him, but he's just smarter than Eric's dumbass. So he's a bit of a playboy. He's a ladies man. He's partying, doing all that shit, right? Eventually, Lyle goes off to the East Coast to an Ivy League school that Jose had to pay for him to get in because he did not get in on his own. Or did I say Lyle? Sorry. Jose had to pay for him to get in. Yeah. Because he could not get in on his own. So Jose makes a large contribution. And next thing you know, Lyle's in an Ivy League school. I think he went to Princeton. However, our guy suffers from bad grades and plagiarism. Oh, my God. How do you plagiarize and still get bad grades? Well, I mean, you're going to get an F if you plagiarize. True. Maybe he's just really bad at plagiarism. I mean, obviously, if you're caught, right? Yeah. So he's put on suspension and he's back home in California and not happy about it. The tension at home is getting worse and worse. Things are getting more and more volatile with Jose. His relationship with his boys is completely gone. There's this crazy story that that one of the neighbors tells about. They had these two pet dogs who were completely untrained and were like super aggressive. One was like a little shitty dog and then one was like a big black lab, right? Well, they can't raise children, of course. They can't train dogs, right. But then they also have this pet ferret that everybody in the family that was like the family's favorite pet. A ferret. Yeah. The ferret dies or gets eaten. Something happens to the ferret. <laughs> and they blame the super aggressive untrained black lab. Oh. And... The neighbor says, and nobody else, I have not read this in another article, but they put it in an ABC televised series. So it can't be totally untrue, can it? She says that one day Eric and Lyle came home and the Labrador's head was in the fridge because Jose freaked out that the Labrador ate the ferret. And in the fridge. Cut his head off and put it in the fridge. Whoa. Nobody else has mentioned that, though. So maybe take it with a grain of salt. Crazy. But it feels like a crazy thing to put in there if they had... Nothing to base it off of. Right. The point is, things are getting bad. Wow. <laughs> a 
At this point, Jose and Kitty are talking about they're going to cut the boys off from the will. They're going to write them out. Kitty's coming from like a real emotional, like fuck them viewpoint. Jose's coming from if they're like this because they've never known struggle, let's show them struggle. And when we die, they don't get money and they have to figure it out. Viewpoint. They also cut the boys off of their credit cards. They cut the boys credit cards. They're spending lavishly. And so what do the boys do? They just steal their parents' numerous credit cards and just spend those up instead. Okay. Eric's also a wannabe screenwriter. He likes to write scripts. Mm -hmm. And him and his friend, so he writes this script and has, has his friend like look it over and help him with editing and stuff. But he basically writes this script about these two rich kids who shoot their parents and collect the life insurance and like go on to live a nice, beautiful, lavish life. Perfect. So he writes that screenplay. It's weird. <laughs> also, there are many rumors that Eric is possibly gay. Now, of course, this will be a shock to no one. Jose is a huge homophobe, and that would be a big fucking problem in their household if one of his sons was gay. Listen, who knows? He says he is not. I will tell you that he does have kind of typical gay-seeming mannerisms and inflections. That does not mean he is gay by any means, but this is the 80s and 90s when such a thing would get you labeled. Yeah. Barbara Walters asks him directly and he says no. And then he gives the very common straight guy answer of like, there's plenty of girlfriends. Trust me. I'm like, oh yeah, all your girlfriends in Canada, my guy? Okay. Sure. (laughs) But who knows? Tuesday, April 15th, 1989, Lyle and Kitty are in a huge fight. It goes on for hours with Kitty ending in hysterics. And at some point she physically attacks Lyle and in her attack she rips off his hairpiece that he wears that it's like a very expensive like thousands of dollars hairpiece that he wears on the top of his head basically a fancy toupee she rips it off and like throws it down and has this hysterical fit Eric is shocked because his dumb ass didn't know Lyle wore a hairpiece even though every picture you see of this motherfucker you're like he's clearly wearing a hairpiece but Eric had no clue. So he's blown away. Fucking died. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So he reaches out to his brother and they have a real emotional heart to heart where they're finally honest with each other about how bad things have gotten with their parents, how freaked out they are. And then on the night of, okay. And then there's two theories, either because you want to believe that they were going to they were written out of the will and they were going to get no money. Because at this point, they had even overheard Kitty telling her friend they're written out of the will. And that was just a few days before the big fight between Lyle and Kitty. Mm -hmm. So either because of that or because you want to believe that they were legitimately scared of their parents and scared of Jose the boys go out and buy 12 gauge shotguns from a big five in San Diego just to have on hand for self-defense because they're so scared of Jose right 
The night of Sunday, August 20th, 1989, Jose and Kitty are in their den watching TV when Lyle and Eric walk in and start shooting. Lyle, who is the better shot and actually aiming, targets and hits his parents multiple times. Eric walks in and starts shooting at random, mm-hmm. just <laughs> shooting bullets everywhere because like movie style. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Jose is shot six times in total. The fatal shot being to the back of the head. Kitty is shot 10 times in total. Eventually, she's crawling on the ground still. And Lyle has to reload his shotgun before administering the fatal shot that goes through her cheek, killing her instantly. They shot both their parents in the knees to make it look like a mafia hit. And then they sit there and wait for the police. But no neighbors call 911. They assumed somebody was going to call 911. Sure. Because shots just rang out in a quiet Beverly Hills neighborhood. And no one. Nobody calls because the neighbors assumed it was like fireworks. Because they come from a world where they've probably never even heard gunshots. Uh -uh. So they never even thought that it could be gunshots. Mm -hmm. You and I live in a pretty safe town. And I'm sure I hear it all the time. And I'm like, man, that's just the way it goes. Someone's probably shooting beer cans in their backyard. I don't know. Absolutely. We're also a rural town. People are probably off in the orchard shooting shit. That's just it. We do hear them. We know they're gunshots. I'm not picking up the phone and calling and being like, hey, officer, there's gunshots somewhere in the vicinity of XYZ. Yeah. Well, they're the opposite. They hear gunshots. They don't even know they're gunshots. So they're not calling. So the boys decide to leave and find an alibi. That's what they're supposed to do, they think. First, they try to call up their tennis coach. Oh, my God. He's busy. So next, they go to the movies to try to buy tickets for a previous showtime mm-hmm. to show proof that they were at the movies at the time that they murdered their parents. But the people at the movie place are like, no. no. What? No. And so... They get turned away from there. So then they just kind of drive around for a while before they air quote, come back home from the movies to air quote, find their parents murdered where they put a call into nine one one. It's to be worth noting when I say quiet Beverly Hills neighborhood, what I mean is Beverly Hills averages two murders a year. So it's not something that happens in Beverly Hills very often. And apparently I don't know this because I personally have never uh, stayed the night in Beverly Hills, but I guess that town shuts down at like seven, eight o'clock. Nine o'clock is considered very late. Mm-hmm. It's a very quiet town. Everything is kind of everyone's at home and like bunkered down pretty early. Okay. So when they call nine one one, hysterical about their parents being murdered, even the like nine one one operator is shocked. She's like, what? She's talking to them like she knows them, which she doesn't. But it's so funny. They're like, my my parents have been murdered. My parents have been murdered. And she's all, what? What? Who? Like, my parents. Like, well, who did it? And they're like, we don't know. She's like, well, where? Like, she's like, she doesn't even know what to do about it. It was interesting. Police arrive. By now, the neighbors are obviously surrounding the property. They find Eric and Lyle hissed. Derrickle, screaming, 
crying. I think they said Eric was in the fetal position on the ground screaming in the lawn. It's not funny, but it kind of is. It's so funny. So, of course, the police, who also don't deal with murder cases very often, assume that these boys are victims. They came home. Yeah. They found their parents fucking slaughtered in the den. And they're ruined. And so they treat them as such. They don't do any kind of testing on them. They don't test them for gunpowder residue. They don't test them for, like, DNA, nothing. They don't officially question them. They tell them to grab their stuff so they can go stay somewhere for the night. And a couple things are a little suspicious to police on the scene. One of those things is that the when they tell them to, like, get their stuff together, the boys race for their tennis bags because that's where they hid the guns. Mm. But they, like, of all the things to grab, they were, like, th- like, clutching onto their tennis bags. Like, that was the shit. And they're like, ah, they're probably in shock. Right. Like, you know, you never know how you're going to act in this situation. The other thing was Lyle, when they did kind of ask him what had happened that night, Lyle described walking in and like the ha- the room being just full of smoke from like the gunshots. And of course, the police know that sm- the little bit of smoke that comes out from gunshots dissipates really quickly. Right, it's not going to linger. Yeah. He's like, if you came back hours later after they were shot it's right and so he's like that's a weird thing to say but they let it go in the next few months the boys go on a spending spree because they never actually were officially written out of the will the final draft of the will still has them in it although it is to be noted that kitty's brother who is one of the adults that i said when i said oh the adults blame the boys for everything Mm -hmm. he's one of those And he fucking says it with his whole chest in the interviews for 2020 and ABC and all that, that those boys ruined his sister's life, ruined his sister's marriage. They're pieces of shit, blah, 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 blah. So he had heard his sister talk about the fact that they were going to possibly write the boys out of the will. So he goes on Jose's computer, finds a file labeled will. Mm -hmm. He can't get into it. It's I don't know how you lock somebody out, but it's like private. So he can't get into it. So he's going to hire a guy to break the code so he can see what's on this file. Lyle, the brains of the operation, is too fast for him. He hires his own guy and has the whole computer wiped before his uncle. Don't cheer him on. Before his uncle can come back in, figure out what's going on. Because I feel like the parents just did them so dirty. The parents are the worst, for sure. So that's why I'm like, yeah clean that shit at the very least his uncle seems like a piece of work so like fuck him you know they all all do they're all garbage so the boys go on a spending spree they're buying new cars they buy matching condos in marina del rey they go out to big lavish meals they hire super expensive expensive tennis coaches and go on all these like international tennis tournaments They're courtside at all the basketball games. They buy. Are you ready? They buy a Buffalo Wild Wings restaurant. Shut the (laughs) fuck up. Yeah, baby. They're investors. They're entrepreneurs. Not a a B-dubs. A B-dubs. The place that try to poison us with their pink alcohol. Wow, that is so 
funny. In a matter of uh, just a few months after their parents' murders, they spend about a million dollars like that. That's, okay. And that's back in the yeah. early 90s. Uh, okay. Or like late, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. That's hard to do. Hard. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of hard cash. Mm-hmm. Now, this makes the police a little suspicious. Uh, um, not just because of the spending habits. But also because of the boys' complete nonchalant attitudes and total lack of grief. Yeah, there you go. They don't care. Now, Eric is feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. Our dumb, dumb Eric. Guilt is eating him alive. So he actually tells his therapist about it. Mm -hmm. Now, while he's telling his therapist, I don't know how loud he's fucking talking, but the therapist has a mistress. And this mistress is also one of his patients. Mm -hmm. And she's in the lobby waiting for her private session. And she overhears what they're talking about. And the therapist tells her like, yeah, he said X, Y, and Z. And she's like, holy shit, that's terrible. We should go to the cops. The therapist is like, no, you can't tell. There's like a whole patient, blah, 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 confidential, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. So she, he convinces her to stay quiet for a few months, but finally she gets tired of it. She breaks up with him. She goes to the police. She tells him what she knows. March 8th, 1990, Lyle is arrested. Three days later, Eric comes back from his tennis tournament in Israel, and he turns himself in. Okay. The trial starts in 1993. It is filmed and broadcasted i believe they said on court tv but it's it's a huge media deal it is a big media sensation this is around the same time as the oj trial Mm. the idea of these like rich beverly hills kids Mm -hmm. murdering their parents it is a media sensation and the trial is shown live the defense takes the stand and they drop the bombshell mm. both boys on the stand under oath claim that jose had been molesting and raping them since they were small children that their mother kitty knew about it and that the few times that they shared a bed with kitty she might not have been as violent and like crazy about it as jose was but she was also touching them when they would share a bed with their mother. Okay. They describe this in horrific detail. Wow. They describe their dad doing everything to them from oral sex to anal penetration to hurting them with um, like thumbtacks and nails to using foreign objects to anally rape them. Okay. It is bad. And they are highly emotional when they're telling this to the point where everyone in the courtroom from the reporters to the jurors, they're like either they're the best fucking actors on earth or they're telling the truth. One reporter mentions that. Okay. So, so they go into horrific detail. Some of those details even include Lyle admitting on the stand that because of what was happening when he was a kid Mm -hmm. and he kind of thought it was normal, he took Lyle or he took Eric Eric. out to the woods 
and he claimed played with him with a toothbrush. Mm-hmm. And as he's crying and saying this, Eric's crying, sitting there listening to it. And the reporter that's being interviewed by ABC talks about how like, yeah, you might be able to fake that emotion. And yeah, you might be able to pull some tears out. He's like, but when I looked at Eric and the veins in his forehead were throbbing and he was ha- and his breathing was so heavy and he was having like a panic attack and, and crying. He he's like, even the one on the stand. he's mm-hmm. not that good of an actor. Like you can't control your veins do when you're having a full blown like panic attack and breakdown hearing this on it broadcasted on television okay. for all of your friends, families, neighbors to hear what happened when you were like eight or whatever. Yeah, no, I was wondering when this was going to come into play. I'm like, did my movie just make shit up? Okay. So they say that what happened was the night that Lyle and Kitty got into that really bad fight and the brothers ended up having a heart to heart. The thing that came out because they had never told each other before was that Jose had been molesting them. Since they were little. They never told each other that. They never told almost anybody that. Eric didn't know Lyle had a hairpiece. Right. I mean, they... So they didn't... And apparently that's very normal for victims of sexual abuse to not tell absolutely anybody. So they didn't even tell each other. But then they found out with that little heart-to-heart they had what was going on. And there had been a history of Jose apparently threatening to kill them. So that freaked them out. They bought the guns. And then the, they claim the night of their parents' murders, they had confronted Jose and Kitty about the fact that they had finally pieced it all together and talked to each other. And Jose's like, I'm going to fucking kill you yeah. if you tell anybody. And they said that they like were going to leave the room. And Jose, after they left, closed the door of the den, which was not something they normally did. And they made them suspicious and freaked out. But they're like, oh, fuck, this is it. They're talking about killing us or whatever. And they went and got their guns and, you know, proceeded with the evening. Okay. Now, their claims are backed up by two witnesses, both cousins. I'm not sure from which side of the family. They're from the same side, opposite sides, whatever. The first cousin is a guy named Andy. He claims that Eric told him about this um, molestation as a kid said that his dad gave him like penis massages because he was wondering like oh does your dad do that too mm-hmm. he didn't know if it was normal or not so he asked his cousin Andy his cousin Andy's like fuck no that's not normal and Eric was like please don't tell anybody the second cousin and he never did the second cousin is Diane she was over helping with the boys she was changing their sheets like just you know helping her aunt out doing the linens or whatever and there was blood on one. I don't remember which boy she's talking about or okay. two, but she found blood on one of their sheets. One of the boys kind of told her, hinted around what was happening. And so she kind of pieced it together and went to go ask her aunt Kitty about it and bring it to her. And she said, Kitty wasn't surprised in a little bit and was like, do you think I'm stupid? You think I don't know what goes on in this house? Gross. And, that like freaked her out and she never told anybody either. So those are their two 
witnesses. There's also a long medical history of just weird, suspicious stuff with the boys, weird stomach problems, throat problems that could come from the sexual assault that they're talking about. Lyle wet his bed till he was 14, which, as we know, is a a very big sign of molestation. They even um, bring into evidence pictures of both the young boy's genitals taken by Jose that they found like in his stuff, right? The prosecutors claim that the boys are just money-hungry, spoiled, rotten little brats. They just did it for the money. They used the fact that Eric had written that screenplay as like a... like a preemptive thing like he planned it because he did write in the screenplay uh exactly how it fucking happened so and the prosecutor this lovely piece of work even went on to claim that what they're saying can't be true because men can't be raped oh wow yeah so she's a fucking piece of shit whether she's whether she's right or wrong whether they're guilty or innocent that's a piece of shit stance to take the trial ends with a deadlock jury They Mm -hmm. cannot come to a decision. Mm -hmm. The judge orders a retrial, which they have during the second trial. It's there's no cameras permitted to be recording the entire thing. Like the first one, they really like try to limit the media presence. They also limit the testimony about the molestation and sexual assault. they They don't allow the witnesses, their cousins on the stand They don't allow a lot of the physical evidence that they had brought to court. And so after that trial. At that point, it's like, why are we even here? Right. After that trial, they're both found guilty of first degree murder. They're sentenced to life with no parole. They've both tried to appeal over the years. Those have gone nowhere. They've both been married. At least one of them has been divorced and remarried. And they are both still alive in some California prison to this day there's the menendez brothers what do you think b like i said i thought they were two other serial killers so what do you think do you think do you think that they're telling the truth i do yeah but that's based off of the one movie that i watched Mm -hmm. right and then hearing that like you said that testimony and then the other family members like why would the family members lie they have no reason to lie no as children if someone says something like that and if you're also a child how terrifying it would be of course you're going to keep that to yourself and then going through a process like this when you're like being forced to confront your fears of course you're going to break down with these repressed memories yeah and it's like you have nothing left to lose at that point it's like you have to give those up to try to defend yourself in some way i guess yeah and that was a big thing was that they were talking about the details that the that i keep saying boys i mean they were men at this point but the details that they went into and even like Lyle confessing what he did to Eric like these were things that went above and beyond what they would have to do if their defense was just based on the they didn't have to self-defense yeah that's like really that's good point. extras that they brought in for no, for no good reason. reason um I think the reporter that they were interviewing had a good theory which I think I agree with which is that both theories are true that the molestation and the abuse led 
to the hatred and of their parents thinking they deserve and then them being cut off financially yeah. led to them actually pulling the trigger yeah. it was just one thing too many that they yeah. could not handle anymore yeah. Absolutely. so i think that's true i think both things can be true at the same time i agree mm-hmm. so there you go let's see if my movie paints that same picture for us let's pause real quick all right let's see wait where's my mic there we go buckle up bitches oh my god because we have a lifetime (laughs) original yeah pull it down be like this yes queen menendez blood brothers 2017 oh when i had my baby you too right yeah yeah 2017 yeah the song beautiful dreamer is being hummed in the distance as the camera pans across a sunny Beverly Hills. Within a gated community, we see Eric and his mom, Kitty, played by Courtney Love. Oh, shit. Episode 64, Sid and Nancy. Whoa. Courtney Love. And they're working on his screenplay. Oh. She's typing away as Eric details the death of the father with razor rope. And the son in the story is killing the father because he made the child feel less than enough. Mm. And Kitty's joking. What an awful story to tell. Why wouldn't you want to tell a story more about a mother who would do anything for her boys anything to make her family happy and we go from this touching moment to kitty and her husband jose being gunned down by the sons in the living room den whatever Mm -hmm. wherever you watch tv at this point dad jose is played by benito martinez you might know him as Juror number seven in <laughs> Mr. Monk <gasps> goes to jury duty. Fuck yes, that's where we would know him. Let's go, Benito. Muy bien. Oh, so that's why I was so excited when you had the Monk notebook. I was like, ah, oh my God. It's such a winner. It's been so long since we've had a Monk. Mm-hmm. It's a Monk Menendez. Oh, Monk Menendez. <laughs> Okay, pull it together. I can't, not after a monk reference. I know. Then we jumped to two weeks earlier. It's August 5th, 1989, at some fucking tennis match that Eric loses, because he's a fucking loser. (laughs) (laughs) I learned that Jose is a big wig entertainment executive as he's hitting on other younger women at the event. Like, I can get you backstage to all the... Hottest shows in town. Yuck. It's all right in front of his wife, who is doing her best to distract herself by cheering on her son. Wow. She's nicer than me. That night at dinner, Jose is scolding Eric for his stupid tennis dreams. And what he should be doing is reading the newspaper because you can't be taken seriously as a businessman you don't know what's going on in current events that's so funny because the tennis dream was jose's dream doesn't matter you suck at it 
It's right. pipe dream. Get over it. Get a new dream. Now you need to be a businessman. Terrible at tennis. Read the fucking. Who are you? Know Andre Agassi. Kitty That's a famous tr- tennis player. In case you were wondering. Thank you. <laughs> Kitty tries to get Jose to back off, but Jose reprimands her like, "I'm doing what's best for this family. Mm-hmm. Right? You guys are fucking worthless, and you need to respect me." <laughs> Once everyone is presumed asleep, Jose sneaks into Eric's room. Kitty knows what he's doing. We see her pretending to sleep. He tells Eric to be a good boy, and we see Jose remove his robe, and we are left to assume what's going to take place after this. Who is this woman? Like, I, it baffles me. That I, she can, the amount of pills and alcohol could never. There's not enough. Could never. I can't even turn a blind eye to you flirting with these broads at a tennis mm. match, let alone what you're doing to your own sons. Mm-mm. I'll stab you in your sleep and go down for it. I don't care. It. I don't care. Forget it. I'll do some time. And so the reason I laughed with... um. The reference to, I think, Eric and the fetal position on the floor or whatever is because he ends up in the fetal position on the bathroom floor after oh, this occurs. Yeah. I know. I'm a horrible person. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. That's fine. The next morning, Eric jumps up out of bed and runs downstairs, excited to see that his brother Lyle is home visiting from college. Maybe not visiting, as you explained. <laughs> Maybe on academic okay. suspension. <laughs> Lyle is played by Nico Tortorella. Okay. And I recognize him from Scream 4, which I don't think you saw. Or if you did, you wouldn't remember. Okay. But he's also in a show about tattoos with Snooki on MTV, like <laughs> Tattoo Far. Oh, okay. No. He's, he's the host with Snooki. I believe you. Okay. Well, those are the only things I knew him from. Okay. The boys are very close and they're so excited to have their time together to hang out. But mom Kitty seems jealous. Like she wants to be included in their plans and they laugh at her like, mom, go hang out with your own friends. But like you said, she doesn't have any fucking friends. Right. She has nothing. She has her pills and her alcohol. What more friends do you need? (laughs) Come on. Jose breaks the news to Eric that he's no longer going to be playing tennis. And instead, he's going to, like, go to some local school for business or whatever. Lyle tries to stand up for him. I feel like there is something to that in real life. I can't remember exact. Nobody mentioned it that much, but there is something weird in there about Jose wanting the boys to like be serious businessmen. Yeah. So Lyle's trying to stand up for his little brother. Kitty, of course, is on Jose's side because not only is business school like best for the family, it makes Jose happier, whatever. It also keeps Eric closer to her. Yeah. Keeps him closer to home. Because like you said, I think Lyle goes to Princeton which is all the way on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. But this was like UC. Yeah. Like something close by. Mm-hmm. Cal, something, whatever. After this crushing news, we see Eric go to his parents' room and he takes some of Kitty's prescription pills. Fuck yeah. And then he goes to the closet where he sees two 
rifles leaning against the wall. Mm. Downstairs, Lyle and Kitty are fighting over Kitty's drinking and never standing up for the boys. And things get heated. Kitty rips off Lyle's hairpiece. <laughs> now, up until now, has it been obvious that Lyle's wearing a hairpiece? No. Okay. I was shocked. Eric was shocked. <laughs> Um, I can say that like the younger pictures of Lyle, I don't know if he wasn't wearing it yet or if he had a better one. Mm-hmm. There are pictures of him where you could not tell. Okay. He might not have been wearing one and that's yeah, why. Right. Because it might have been his hair. Yeah. But there are pictures of him post murder where you're like, yeah, dude, come on. Mm-hmm. Who believed this? Upstairs in the room, the two young men play video games. Eric is asking Lyle why he didn't say anything about the hairpiece. Like, you know, you could tell me anything. And that's when they start to talk about dad. Right. And Eric tells Lyle it's still happening. Mm. Like, you got to go off to college. I'm still here with dad. Yeah. When Jose gets home from work, Lyle confronts him about Eric. And we find out what he's also been doing to Lyle. And he says, touch either one of us again, and I'm going to tell everyone. Okay. Jose puts Lyle in his place by slamming him against the wall and reminding him, you're a piece of shit little thief. Because you said Mm -hmm. the petty theft Mm -hmm. or whatever. You're just some dumb college student. No one's going to believe an entitled little brat over their successful businessman father. Right. It's not wrong. Pretty true. It's not wrong. That night, we see Jose go to leave the bed. This time, Kitty at least tries to reach out to him. Like, come on, like, stay with me. But he doesn't want anything to do with her. So she rolls over and cries herself to sleep. This broad gets some balls. The real Courtney love would never. Maybe, again, because of the pills. Like, you're just so detached i don't know man i don't know right he goes to eric's room and explains that no one in the family is going to ruin the life that he's built for them he tells eric that whatever happens next is his own fault eric's terrified crying when lyle comes into the room and tells him don't give dad the satisfaction of seeing you cry don't let him think that you're as weak as he assumes you to be Mm. the boys agree that their dad would obviously kill them before allowing any bad news to get out about himself right and they're convinced that um after eric tells lyle about the guns in the closet that the dad's gonna kill them so they're like well we gotta kill them first Mm -hmm. so on august 18th 1989 in San Diego they go and they buy two rifles of their own when they get home Kitty informs them that dad's working late and that they're gonna go fishing when he gets home oh boy that makes total sense I can't oh so that's what makes them suspicious in the movie they immediately think dad's gonna kill us yeah of course why else would we go fishing at night Mm -hmm. and And where they do they go out on a boat in the middle of the fucking night, in the middle of nowhere, Jose doesn't kill them. 
Instead, he kills a big-ass fish. He catches a fish and beats the shit out of it with a baseball bat. Okay. Like, I guess this will be you. Okay. Where are they fishing? On a lake in the ocean? They're in Southern California. There's oceans. No, I know. That's what I'm asking. Are they in the ocean or are they on a lake? I'm just curious. It's got to be an ocean. Yeah. (laughs) There's only one. It's got to be. The next night, Lyle and Eric are trying to go see a movie. But now, Jose is not letting them leave the house. So Lyle tells Eric, tonight's the night. But Eric doesn't want to kill his mom. Okay. Lyle tells Eric to open his eyes. It's clear Kitty knows exactly what's been going on. She's not doing anything to stand up for them. He's telling Eric, like, what kind of mom is going to allow something like this to happen to you? She only cares about herself. Right. It's pretty obvious. They toy with the idea of running away, but they don't have money of their own. And they know that if for any reason, like, they tried to use their dad's money, they'd be easy to be traced back to them and they would just die anyways. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, that's not going to work. Lyle doesn't want to go to police. He doesn't want to be known as the boy molested by dad. Okay. Right. Lyle's too proud. Yeah. So that's that. We circle back to the shooting. We watch as the two young men unload on their parents. Lyle telling Eric to finish off the mom with the final blow to her head, which we hear, but we don't see. Okay. We don't see who takes the final shot. Mm-hmm. Okay. We see instead the two drive off. They ditch their guns in the Hollywood Hills and we hear their call notifying police someone's killed our parents. Their story is that they went to a movie in Santa Monica and then they had to come back for Eric's ID and that's when they found their parents dead. At the police station, Lyle's telling the cops that his dad had done some deals with the mob Mm-hmm. Or the mafia, whatever. And that might have led to a hit. Right. Okay. So makes sense. They're transferred to a hotel. And at the funeral, Lyle reads a letter his dad had sent to him in college saying that his dad would have wanted to have the last word. I thought that was kind of fucked. In real life at the funeral, Lyle is wearing a pair of Jose's shoes. Okay. Which sounds like maybe a sweet thing to do. Mm-mm. But he turns to his aunt and kind of like nudges her and goes, hey, who said I couldn't fill my dad's shoes? Oh. That's what he says in the actual funeral. Damn. <laughs> I think that I, they were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird thing to say. Sounds fun. Lyle has his father's computer wiped clean of any will or estate documents that might exclude them, and he takes over the assets. The boys start living their life that they feel they've earned for all their torment. They're buying cars and clothes and watches, and the police have zero leads on what's actually happened to their parents. Um, Eventually, things start to settle down. Eric decides to go back to tennis and Lyle decides he wants to go back to Princeton, but Eric doesn't want him to leave. He doesn't want to be alone, but then Lyle's like, we still have grandma. (laughs) Grandma? Mm -hmm. Grandma's still around. Mm Aww. 
Grammy. So Eric is having, at this point, visions of his parents, mostly his mom. Yeah. The one he was the most attached to. And so he starts going to therapy. And at therapy, he gets a prescription to help him with his grief. October 24th, 1989, we see police officers sit downstairs while Eric is taking his prescription and, like, trying to, like, get the voices out of his head. Um, The officers are basically thinking at this point that Lyle killed the parents for the money. And that they need Eric to narc on him Mm -hmm. to get anything. He doesn't say anything to the cops, but he does tell his therapist. And just like you said, um, the mistress is there. And instead of calling the cops, the therapist calls Lyle. So in, he's got Lyle and Eric. And Lyle is telling the therapist, like, we killed them because we had a problem and now it seems like you're the next problem. So it's like almost like a threat. And Eric's like, we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> like this is this is a bad situation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they get out of there. Lyle tells Eric to distract himself. So he goes to these tennis championships, like you were saying. He's in Israel. And for the first time, when Eric seems happy, we, of course, now find out that the mistress of the therapist called the police. And we see Lyle and his friends. They're loading up in the car, heading out to Cheesecake Factory. Wow. I know. When they get swarmed by the Poe, Eric gets the call from Grandma and he considers fleeing. He's like, I'm in another country. Like, it'd be like how hard is it to just move to on? To just bounce. But he's like, I can't do that to my brother. I Blood can't. brothers, baby. I know. I can't do that to Lyle. We see the boys in their cells. Again, Eric is having these visions of his mom. Kitty is humming that fucking beautiful dreamer song. Mm-hmm. Eric and Lyle find each other in the prison yard. Yes. And they embrace. In real life, that happens a long time after they're incarcerated. Yeah. At first, they're separated mm-hmm. for like, I'm talking like decade, like mm-hmm. a long time. And at some point, they end up on the same cell block in the same prison. Oh, my gosh. But it happens like 10, 15 years Could after. You imagine. Tears were shed, I'm oh. sure. And so they say right there, that's like, we're for each other until the end. And I liked that while they're locked up, that Lyle gets to keep his his hairpiece. Yeah. Right? (laughs) I think so. I mean, he had it in all the interviews. Mm -hmm. Eric calls defense attorney Leslie Abrams. Yeah. For representation. That's her. And she agrees to take him on as a client. But more importantly, Leslie also played Angela Dirks in episode Mr. Monk Goes to the Office. What the fuck? We got too much. Oh my God. What day is this? What night is this? What are we doing? It's a Menendez Monk. It's a Menendez Monk. It's like a new holiday. 
Happy Monk Menendez. Instead of Chavez Day, it's Monk Menendez Day. Hell yeah, dude. Cool. Let's put on our bikinis. Oh, I told you. As soon as I saw the Monk notebook, I was I know. like, this is so I really wanted to, to name the the episode Bread Brothers for Life, but now I might have to do Mon- Monk mean- Menendez. <laughs> Happy Monk Menendez Day. Uh, okay, where am I? I am so distraught. What is happening? I don't know. Who cares after <laughs> double monks? I know. That's a lot. Okay. <laughs> Leslie's confident. She's like, we can get these recordings thrown out. The therapist's mistress is basically claiming that he drugged and raped her, so no one cares what he said. But now, sometime in 1992, we find that two of the recordings are going to be allowed as evidence in the trial. So Leslie's like, Eric, now is the time. You need to tell me what really happened. Right? She is pressing hard. Yeah. That would be so hard to talk about. And Eric is, of course, scared. Because the last time he told anyone the truth, what happened? Right. He got in fucking jail. Yeah. And his parents are... And his parents are now I mean, he murdered them. Like, everything. Every time anything comes to a real conversation, people die or end up in jail. Okay. Leslie convinces Eric the best way to stop being a victim is to tell the truth about what happened. So on July 20th, 1993, after three years, we head to court and decide if it was murder for money or ab- the abuse excuse is what they were calling it. Lovely. Mm-hmm. The right? abuse excuse. Mm-hmm. Mm. Jose's sister, Martha, takes the stand, as well as multiple cousins, and they all confirm that they knew about the abuse, and they also kept it a secret. We learn that Eric has um, been keeping another secret when we learn about his abuse from Lyle, Mm -hmm. which Lyle does take the stand on September 6th, 1993, and details that abuse, uh, the abuse from his father between the ages of six to eight, and then the abuse of his brother in the woods, because he said he was just practicing what his father had taught him. Yeah. Eric asks his grandma not to be in the courtroom when he has to testify, and she tells him there's nothing he can say that will make her love him any less. And that she's going to be there to support him no matter what. It's a sweet grandma. Well, she feels extreme guilt that she failed her own son. Right? Because, like, to her, the whole thing in Cuba, whatever, like, whatever her son went through. She failed him to be such a monster to do this to these boys. <clears throat> so, it's yeah. it's a, it's a big thing. Okay. September 28th, 1993, Eric describes a specific time when his dad finished in his mouth and instructed him to swallow. And when Eric couldn't finish swallowing, Jose scolded him, saying, why can't you be more like your brother? Which he interpreted as stop being such a little bitch. Yeah. So at this point, we learn that mom Kitty... Also was checking out Eric. 
Mm. I don't know if it happened to both boys. This was more about Eric. And he details how his mom would come into his room and she would undress him and look at him and like touch him. The fuck, dude? Without reason. But he just assumed that she was looking for signs of abuse, like that she was Mm. trying to help him. Yeah. So after four weeks of deliberation, the jury is deadlocked and the court declares a mistrial. Second go around. Eric is on his own because the court has now banned the family members like the aunts and the cousins. That's such a wild thing to do. Ban the biggest witnesses. For real. It's crazy. And then to make things worse, Lyle has been dating this chick, Norma, who recorded all their calls from prison and she's publishing them in a tell-all book. I don't I didn't read that anywhere, but I'm sure that's true. Mm-hmm. They put it in a Lifetime movie. It has to be true. And also Lyle, the playboy, right? Yeah. Don't got to worry about no girlfriends for Eric. Even with the toupee, Lyle's all... Suave. Like I said, listen, in his Playboy days, his toupee looked pretty good. But in the in in prison, it was long. Okay. It's worth mentioning that Eric also falls in love. He falls in love with a married woman, Tammy. They're exchanging letters. March 20th, 1996. A new jury finds Lyle and Eric both guilty of first-degree murder. And then, in a weird, shocking twist of an ending, in the middle of the night, they're both told that they're being transferred, and they realize that they're going to be split up. Okay. And so, like, they get to see each other one last time as they're being taken into separate buses. And it's like, well, they swore to be together till the end, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, And then that's basically it. And I get some closing notes. On June 1999, Eric eventually married Tammy. Yep. So gay or not. He I married- know. I didn't put any of the wives' names. But yes, like I said, they both got married. Yeah. At least one of them got divorced and remarried. Mm-hmm. That was, had to have been Lyle. Had to have been Lyle. <laughs> How are you a player from prison? Yeah. Eric and Lyle have remained separated, but they play chess by mail. How? Like, here's your move, I guess. I don't know. Oh, God, that would kill me. That's Mm -hmm. the world's slowest fucking chess game. And then it had this. Okay, remember, this is 2017. Mm -hmm. So the quote from 2017, one in five girls and one in 20 boys are the victim of child sexual abuse. Okay. And then, hold on. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. Today is what? Uh, April 1st, April Fool's Day. And I wanted to try to do like an April Fool's Day episode. Yes. And we couldn't find anything that like really fit the tone. Right. So we circled back to this. Yes. Do you know what April is? sexual assault awareness month it is it (laughs) is absolutely yeah so i'm like wow that that. ended up working out here we are there you go all right fine yeah and i you know it's one of those things that like 
all the questioning of their story is literally because they're men telling this story. Oh, exactly. If they were women, the abuse excuse. If like they were said, children, if mm-hmm. they were young girls, we wouldn't question them even once. When it comes to like the Me Too movement and women's claims, the typical answer is you always believe the victim. Point blank, period, which I'm not disagreeing with. So then it makes you wonder about why so many people question the Menendez brothers motive when they're out here saying they're victims and they have witnesses to corroborate that. Right. Mm -hmm. And besides their cousins, there is multiple other witnesses that they brought up that didn't have any evidence of like the molestation but had just been witnesses to like Jose's kind of fucking out of pocket behavior. Just his kind of unbridled rage, being a dick, being abusive. They had other witnesses, tennis coaches and teachers and neighbors. Disregard the mistreatment of his wife as well. Like Mm. the long term, like you said, the long term affairs. Yeah. Like, how did he have time for all? Of, you're going to have an affair. You're going to abuse your children. You're going to hold down this job, this image that you guys are. This He's a multitasker. Yeah. Like we said, that drive, man. Yeah. And I thought it was so. I don't know. Interesting. Infuriating. Yeah. That. He wanted these boys to be these, like I said, upstanding, perfect, all-American. He's a monster. When he's a piece of shit. And I'm like, what? Everything he's not. Yeah. He wants them to be everything he's not. And when they couldn't do that. Look at your psychology degree coming into play. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. You're absolutely right. They couldn't live up to his standard of what he thinks. He but he couldn't live up man. to it either. Of course but yeah, not. That, that's what but I was because thinking. Because he wasn't given everything on a silver spoon. Mm. But he provided all of that for them. So, so they had no excuse you should be to above not and beyond. be the perfect child. But then it's like, look at the example you're setting. Mm-hmm. You're their example of what a man is supposed to be. Well, let's talk about this. I had a real aha moment here on this episode oh when you were talking about the petty theft mm-hmm. and the boys and how he went around and paid everybody off so that they didn't have to like do any time or whatever what happened when i got arrested for petty theft <laughs> i don't remember my Tom. dad fucking hung up on the cops yeah left my ass in lockup yeah yeah my grandma had to come and get me right and then i did all the community service and i fucking i loved it i thrived i every i got recommendation letters that went towards college yeah like, like it's so up. funny no but i it was perfect that's what you do in that situation you're you got talking you about, do the crime you gotta do the time baby yeah, you're talking about holding them accountable mm-hmm. so fine if they're gonna be these little thieves and they're gonna end up in jail Okay, leave their asses in jail. You want to be criminals? Let's be criminals, babe. Leave their asses in jail. You got caught. Be a better criminal or serve your time. Yeah, agreed. So, but I can only reflect on that now at this point in my life and be like, I feel like they made the right move. But at the 
girl, at the time. At the time. How dare he? I How know. dare he allow me to sit there and rot in that perfectly air conditioned. Yeah. Br- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for a couple hours. Right. <laughs> How the audacity. I know. Of that man. That's so funny. Yeah. And uh, your dad will literally, I guarantee if we asked him on to this day, he'd be like, don't get caught next time. <laughs> do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. Just he, don't get caught. He would do it any day. Yeah. Not his grandbaby, but me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. No, but yeah. So as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, now in this moment, I can reflect and be like, yes, that was the right move. Yeah. You fucking leave them there. You got to learn a lesson. To rot and figure it the fuck out. Got to learn a lesson. <laughs> All right. How many knives do you give your movie? I was so scared for a minute. When you hadn't brought up any. I know. I was trying to make it a big surprise. You really did. Yay. And I was so <laughs> nervous. You're like, that's a lot of molestation to be happening really, without her I, mentioning it. Because Lifetime's never done me dirty like that. Yeah, I know. So I was like, whoa. So, um, I mean, they didn't give me a whole lot of background, mm-hmm. but I, they summed it up. I'm going to I'm gonna, great. I'm gonna say fucking four. Lifetime never, never misses. Never disappoints. Lifetime never fucking misses. Never disappoints. We love to see With it. With the monks and yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I'm only giving it a four is because I am now a little disappointed. I feel like it was really sped up. Mm. Had they given me maybe like a two parter mm-hmm. or like broken it, like I would have on something like this, the little details. Mm hmm. I think it matters. And so. But four is pretty good. That, no, it, we haven't had a four in a long time. Like I'd even go like as far as like a four and a half. Like it was. Wow. Yeah. That, really. I just feel like they could have given me just a little bit more. I love that lifetime. If you didn't know it was a lifetime movie, you would think it was like a movie movie. Yeah. It's happened to us a few times. Again, We're like, oh, shit, it's a lifetime movie. Love. Yeah. And like I did. I recognized the the lady that played the lawyer. She's been in other stuff. Yeah. And so was the dad and Nico. And <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, we love it. I love it so much. We needed to bring it back to a lifetime. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been yeah. a lifetime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Awesome. We love it. What a great episode. The Menendez Brothers. Check it off the list. We got it. Anything else you want to talk about, B? No, not on the on the, the casting. Oh, is there something you want to talk to me about off air? We got a plan for next episode. I've got a, a recommendation. Can't wait to hear it. Okay. But for this week's episode, if you want to see pictures. Of, oh, your look of the week. We haven't oh. done it yet. It's going to be an M&B look of the week again. Yeah. Being obviously both. Lyle and Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm assuming we're doing some sort of button up. You can do either. I'm prepared either way. I literally have like luggage in my bag because I was ready to go before I got the text. But Mm -hmm. yeah, you can do the long sleeve or the short sleeve. I figured just steal clothes from Lou. Yeah, he has a bunch of like long sleeve button ups hanging up in the closet. I have a gun in the closet I can grab. I've got the two. Whoa. BB guns in the back of the car right now. Yes. So we're going to be the brothers. Yeah. And we're going to be shooting with our rifles in someone's living room. Yeah. 
-hmm. It'll be great. Okay, so to see pictures of that and other pictures of this week's case, go to THC Podcast on Instagram and hit me up in my DMs if you want. If you want to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening, that'd be great. Otherwise, I got to pee real bad. Okay. I'm going to die. Okay. So um, thank you so much for listening. We love you guys, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.